This is our first show since the NBA draft, and the Timberwolves did introduce their uh, two draft picks the other day at the Target Center atrium. But I think the biggest news, John, is the fact that they were able to bring back Nas Reed. Why don't we start there? Uh, Tell us whether that was a surprise to you and how did that deal come about? Yeah, I'll say this, um, and I I had been saying it on this podcast uh, for a while leading up to it. Um, I I am not surprised that they got a deal done with Nas Reed because if you sort of talk to the people internally and then surrounded yourself kind of with Nas Reed's camp as well, you knew that there were that it was obvious that both Nas Reed wanted to stay if it could work out and the Timberwolves very much wanted to keep Nas Reed. Now, we can get into a debate about the um, wisdom of spending all of this money in the front court and and, and all of those things. But uh, as of but the, the parameters around this deal were that the Wolves really wanted Nas Reed to stay and that Nas Reed really did want to stay. And so when you have those two elements working for you, it's pretty uh, easy to get a deal done. Now, that said, I do think that them going to essentially $14 million a year average annual value is probably more than the Wolves wanted to pay in the end by maybe a million, maybe $2 million um, in terms of AAV. So they did go a little bit above what they were hoping to spend, but it was just really important for them to keep one of their best player development stories that they've ever had in the franchise, a player who is beloved by teammates, um, a player who has really just um, kind of improved over the course of of his career, of his four-year career, the way that Nas has. And finally, a player that uh, that has put down roots in Minnesota. He's here all summer long uh, working out. Uh, he wants to be here even despite having Towns and Gobert right in front of him. So all of those things came together to make it happen. Um, and it, so it wasn't a surprise, but I still think the rest of the league was surprised by it. I think a lot of people around the league thought he was going to get to free agency and they, they had at least have a chance to make it up, make an offer. And it just never got there. I think this is kind of fascinating and speaks to a lot about the team and organizational dynamics. Let's get into it. He's John Krasinski. This is the John Krasinski show, part of talknorth.com. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. And any other shows you like at talknorth.com, Viking Update Show, Jeff Diamond, John Millay, Chin Music with Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal, uh, all of our Outdoor content, all of our variety content, uh, Go Gopher Show with Mike Grimm. If you like it, subscribe to it. We do appreciate it. You can always go to talknorth.com, see all of our shows and the archives of all of our shows. So if you really like the show, you can go back and listen to previous ish, uh, editions. Last week, we had our friend Steve Terry on. He was great. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter as well. He's just a fun guy to, to keep up with. We'll continue to have him on regularly, offering the intelligent fan view. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thanks to our sponsors, TSR Injury Law, six one two TSR Time and All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. And we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Uh, so why did Nas want to be here so badly, given that, you know, at least theoretically, he could have gotten more money or longer term in free agency? Yeah, you might. So there's there's a yeah, this is a really just interesting case, Jim, because um, Nas Reed maybe could have gotten a little bit more money from another team, from a San Antonio, from a Sacramento, from some from Dallas. There there were several teams that were lining up waiting to get Nas Reed or get a crack at him. And so I think he could have maybe pushed 
uh, that that AAV up toward fifteen million dollars from from one team. Maybe it's a one year deal he could have taken for eighteen or nineteen million, um, and and so he could have got more money. He could have gotten probably a guaranteed better role with another team um, in terms of either a starting role or certainly um, a uh, a backup position where you're playing twenty eight minutes a night guaranteed. Um, and and so uh, he had those opportunities available to him, and he still decided to stay. Why did he t- decide to do that? Uh, Nas Reed is just a really interesting young man. Um, he, when, when you spend some time around him, you can tell how much of a kind of kinship that he feels with his teammates, I think, and also with this city. Um, you know, he came here as a, an undrafted free agent, uh, rookie free agent. Uh, he was a little overweight. Uh, he was a little injured with his foot, and I think that he looks at the Timberwolves as an organization that took a chance on him and brought him in, and so he feels a little bit of obligation there. I also think that he sees Chris Finch as a coach he can trust. Um, so in the conversations that he had with this coaching staff in terms of what is my avenue to playing time... I think that the the you know, Finch and Tim Connolly were very upfront with him that yes, we th- we see a path high twenty minutes a night type of a situation in a role for you, much like you were starting to fill for this team right before you broke your wrist uh, last late last season. And so there's a belief and a trust in there in there that they can get him that role. But ultimately, I think what it really comes down to is Nas is a is a person and, and, and an athlete who kind of gravitates to comfort and he feels very comfortable with his teammates here. He he's known Carl Anthony towns since they were kids growing up in New Jersey. Um, he has, is really close with, uh, you know, Jaden McDaniels with Jalen Noel, who will probably be departing um, with Nathan Knight, who may be departing again, but um, with Wendell Moore, with, uh, with a lot of the guys on this roster, Jordan McLaughlin, you know, a, a lot of these guys, Nas is really, really close with, and he feels like this team can win with him on it. And and so um, he and Ant are very close, and Ant is always sort of gassing Nas up and 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 believing in him. And so I think that it's a, just a study of a player who wanted more than just dollars or more than just minutes it was one who just really felt comfortable with where he was at and had a strong belief that this was a good place for him and so it is a leap of faith on Nas Reed's part yes I'm going to trust you that I'm still going to get the minutes that I that I think I deserve um but I think that he just looked at it as this is the place that I want to be and for the Timberwolves to have a a a a relatively coveted free agent who could have been a free agent still so, so say, no, I want to stay and I want to be here, even though I have two max salary guys in front of me. That's a really big uh, feather in their cap for the culture that they're trying to build here for the, 
the the atmosphere and the environment is like, hey, look, Nas Reed wanted to stay. That means something um, for the Timberwolves who are constantly seeing people either want to leave or not want to come here in the first place. Yeah, I think that's that. That's what struck me about it is that uh, it almost feels historic that a coveted free agent would take, you know, take a backup role for a team that had a frustrating season last year. That just and I do think it speaks so well of Finch and so well of the you know the chemistry on this team uh, in terms of role skill set. You know, Nas, one of the things that happened last year is Towns is injured a lot and Nas really got to show off. How do you think if we can never presume health in Minnesota, but we're going to do it anyway. If those three bigs are healthy, how do you think the minutes and the roles being parsed out? How do you see those being parsed out? Yeah, I think that this is going to be incredibly interesting to see how Chris Finch sort of doles out or allocates playing time. Um because, you know, we heard all season long or uh, that how can you play Nas and Rudy and Kat, you know, enough minutes to go around. And with Cat out, that did take some of the pressure off of that. When Towns returned, you saw Nas around that 20 minute, 23, 24, 25 minute um, uh, allocation. And. I think that it can bump up just a little bit. I mean, you might be able to get him to say 26 minutes a night or so, 27 on, on some nights. If you, let's say you put Towns and Gobert both maybe around the 33 minute mark instead of 35 or 36, like that's, that's a possibility to get him a little bit more playing time. But to me, Jim, the real interesting sort of development that is going to happen, whether it's positive or negative here is when you are paying Nas Reed what you're paying him and you want to get him on the floor with either Cat or or Rudy um, at the same time a little bit more to kind of bump those minutes up, that would mean that you are going to have to cut Kyle Anderson's power forward minutes. Um, I don't know about drastically, but certainly uh, significantly. And Anderson's best minutes last season were at power forward, uh, just net rating wise, numbers wise for the team of impact on on the on the on the results on the court. Anderson's best time was at power forward. He spent a lot of time there. He started there in Cat's absence and 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 all of that. So, how are they going to? maximize Kyle Anderson and continue to maximize him because he's been such an important part of what they do here uh, and still keep Nas Reed fed. That's going to be the juggling act that Chris Finch really has to kind of go through and, and figure out here um, to make sure that, you know, equilibriums are kept that, that everyone is satisfied with their playing time, but then also that he is, he is deploying, deploying these assets with with Nas and Kyle in ways that make them most effective for this team. It's going to be a juggling act. Uh, let's get into that more and let's talk about the uh, two draft picks and other NBA developments. Uh, I do want to remind you we're sponsored 
by TSR Injury Law. They've been sponsoring us forever. We appreciate it. Uh, great having Steve on last week. Just remember, uh, if you are ever injured, your first call is 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, they will help you in whatever way they can. If they take your case, they won't charge you unless they win your case, and they win enough cases that uh, they have become, a, as you know, uh, just one of the one of the most visible companies in Minnesota. Uh, we trust them. We like them. We we know that you have every reason to trust them. Six one two TSR time. Thanks also to All Energy Solar. All Energy Solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than fourteen years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. Uh, All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between. More about going solar is, can be found at All Energy Solar dot com slash coach or just go to allenergysolar.com and you can find out everything you need to know about uh, incentives uh, prices installation whatever allenergysolar.com so the Timberwolves did introduce their two rookies uh, two really interesting draft picks I mean let's start here how quickly could either of these guys actually contribute to the NBA team yeah, so I mean, the, the, we'll go um, second first because yeah. it's a shorter. Jalen Clark is coming off of a, um, a an Achilles tear, and so it's going to be a good six months, I think, at least before he's starting to get on the court, do some some sort of activity basketball wise, and so I think that basically the upcoming season for him is largely going to be um, you know, one of rehab, very similar to what Jared Vanderbilt did in his first season or season and a half with the Nuggets and then coming over to the Timberwolves and continuing to rehab a little bit. Um, uh, he, it's just going to take time for Jalen Clark. So uh, with Leonard Miller, that's going to be really interesting because – he is a guy who really has just sort of burst onto the scene for, you know, over the last, eh, you know, year, maybe nine months um, and, and really rocketed kind of onto NBA scouts radars because Tim Conley told a story at the press conference and just said, you know, in Leonard Miller's early days with G League Unite, he said, like, I didn't, I didn't really think a whole lot of him as a player. Like it just, he, he didn't seem to have it. It wasn't, you know, he was so raw. He was so kind of unbridled that it was just like, what, what do you even do with a player like this? But in a credit to Miller and to G league unite and all of those, um, he really, uh, just put it to put the work in and made remarkable improvements over the back half of his year with G League and was truly a, a really effective player um, in the second half of last season for G League Unite. And and so he turned into this rebounding machine, uh, this kind of, you know, Amari Stoudemire-like build where he's athletic, he is tall, he is long, he is springy. And, and so um, I think that there's real intrigue about his ability to at least get some minutes maybe earlier than you would normally give a second round pick. Now it would, it would seem to me like start your season in the G league, like kind of get some playing time, get your feet underneath you some more, continue your development. But if this, if the Timberwolves continue to struggle to rebound like they have the last couple of years, 
I would not be surprised if at some point this season, they this the upcoming season, they at least give Miller a shot and just say, hey, can you go out and grab 10 rebounds? Like, we are getting killed again on the glass. Help us with that. Um, and um, if it's not this season, it'll be very soon after that. But but I, I do think that that skill, that knack for getting boards could get him on the court sooner than um, than, than we might expect otherwise. One of the uh, things we hear com- ever since the Gobert trade was it was obvious that it wasn't going to be an immediate success is how could you give up all those draft choices for him? How much in this case were the Wolves hurt by not having their own first pick? Um, I mean, they were certainly, I mean, this was a very deep draft. And so just if you look at, let's just play the, uh, the, the whole thing out with, uh, it, if they had their pick, uh, they would have had the 16th overall pick. Um, and that was Utah's Utah had their pick obviously, and took Keontae George, who is a sort of scoring point guard from Baylor. Um, that is a, you know, that is a player sort of in the mold of what the wolves would like because they are thin at point guard. Um, there's a couple other interesting players who were available around that time that they may have liked cam Whitmore from Villanova had a huge drop, uh, in the draft from, you know, initially kind of projected top five, top 10 pick. And he ended up at 20 to the Rockets. Um, you look at, you know, Jaime Jaquez, who went to the heat is a, a, a real like hard nosed grinder guy, but maybe he would have been attractive to the wolves that way. So there are, there are guys certainly around that number that they could have picked who would have probably fit in well here. But I do think that's why you saw Tim Connolly uh, be aggressive and go up and get to 33 with some future second round picks because they're trying to maximize their bites at the apple even when they are shorthanded in the draft. And so he uh, really, you know, he acquired those extra second round picks in the Conley for uh, Russell trade, and he used one of them to help move up and get Leonard Miller, who they just really, really liked um, a lot and, and, um, and, and really wanted to get. And so they feel like getting players like that in the second round who could eventually become quality rotation players for you, like a Josh Minot last year, um, is going to be hugely, hugely important for them in their team building um, situation going forward because of, how strained their salary cap is. They have to get these cheap talents and they have to kind of hit on some of these when you don't have the first round pick treasure trove going forward because of the Gobert deal. Let's uh, let's get into what might be happening soon. We're t- recording this on Wednesday morning. Things could happen quickly. By the time you hear this, something might have happened. Uh, do you expect Torian Prince to remain on the roster? Do you expect uh, the Wolves be able to go after anybody like Bruce Brown, who's been rumored to at least be on their radar. Yeah, so um, I do I do not expect Bruce Brown. Um, I think that he's going to have multiple suitors who can pay right around the same amount of money or more than the Timberwolves and maybe even provide kind of a clearer path to another championship contention. So um, I understand the speculation around Bruce Brown. He would be an an amazing fit in Minnesota, but I just, I do not see that as a viable 
alternative um, for them. You know, you look at other names like Dante DiVincenzo is interesting. Um, you know, even like a Dennis Schroeder, you know, on a little more affordable as a backup point guard, like that might be interesting. Um, but, uh, but Bruce Brown, definitely not. Um, when you look at Torian Prince, I, it's been an interesting dance that they have gone through. Uh, you know, there's been some discussion about, Hey, do you waive Torian Prince and, and get, um, you kind of open up the $7.5 million that he's on the, the cap for, and that would get them closer to being able to offer a full mid-level to someone else. Um, I think there have been those discussions internally. There have also been discussions about using his contract in a trade uh, to see if they can get a point guard or get someone else that they really like in a trade and offer Prince's contract as as an ability for another team to be flexible with with their decision making on on whether they keep him or not. Um, and then finally, there there have been real discussions about keeping Torian Prince. Uh, he is one of their best three-point shooters. Uh, he certainly gets out in transition and scores very effectively. He can guard multiple positions. He is a very well-thought-of presence in the locker room. And so I do think that there have been discussions about keeping Torian Prince, whether it's at the one-year deal that he is on right now, maybe, or maybe you um, – wave him and then re-sign him to a longer term deal that is a little bit less of average annual value, but gives him a little more longer term security. That's possible. So all of these scenarios have been discussed by the Timberwolves. We are coming up on the deadline for them to either guarantee his contract or to uh, make him a free agent. That's also a, a discussion where that that deadline could be pushed back. As well, there's just so many things surrounding Torian Prince that um, that are factoring into this. And as of uh, Wednesday morning, when we're recording this, that had not been decided yet. I think that it's been a delicate conversation, and there's there's just a lot of factors that they're weighing in here. Who could they get for him? W you know, w what's his? What are his um, uh, desires about? staying here um, and all of those things that have led this to kind of drag on maybe a little bit further than a lot of other players with these types of options on his contract. Interesting. Well, we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Uh, it sounds like next week we might be talking to John while he is in Las Vegas covering the summer league. It should be a, a very interesting summer league with uh, with Miller on the court, uh, along with Wendell Moore. Among the Wolves' other young players, Wendell Moore, um, uh, Minot, who, who, who do you have the most, I guess, faith in developing into a good NBA player? Yeah, I, I mean, I know that there's been sort of a lot of hype around Minot. Um, and, and I think a lot of optimism in the Wolves fan base about him and like so far, we just haven't seen anything of it at the NBA level. He had one you know pretty decent game. Um, and so we don't know how that's going to translate, but, but his, his combination of physical tools, um, uh, talent and, and sort of makeup lead me to believe that he's the guy that they can really, rely on um at, or, or at least pin some hopes on to become an effective player i like wendell moore as well but i think that minot's upside is more than what moore's is right now moore can be a solid nba 
you know, backup rotation player that can fill a couple of different roles for you. Um, I think it's, he's had a big summer. He is coming up on a big season here to kind of establish himself a little bit, but Minot is the one who's kind of really intriguing just in terms of the tantalizing physical uh, attributes that he does have. And, and so if you're looking at a player that could kind of come out of nowhere and, and really um, uh, kind of establish himself and make you think, Oh, wow, this is, this is big. I think Josh Minot is the guy. It sounds logical to me. Let's get a final thought from John. Once again, thank you to TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time. Thanks to All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. And thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. I'll back next, we'll all be back next week. Also, check out the Viking Update show as well. John and I both have either been covering or watching the Vikings for many decades. Uh, and it's a fascinating offseason for the Vikings heading into another promising season. Uh, final thought for today, John. Yeah, I would say that, you know, everybody is um, really eager to see what happens starting Friday when the free agency window opens. Um, As of right now, and again, I I always stress things can change very quickly, but have not heard anything on the Carl Anthony Towns trade front. I don't see anything that immediately is obvious out there to happen. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but I, I, I still believe that they are continuing with their plan to run it back um next fall with the the existing core unless they are blown away by some sort of an offer for cat so there's not that but that said we set that aside i do think that the the wolves are going to be active they're going to really try and continue to really improve this team whether it is in a trade scenario to bring someone in that they really like or to go out and spend a decent amount of money to get someone that will help them with perimeter defense, with shooting, with maybe backup point guard duties. There's going to be some movement here from the Wolves. You know, I I would anticipate fairly early in the free agency uh, period. And so they want they want to be aggressive. They want to go out and help this team. And and so I don't think it's going to be a quiet uh free agency and by any stretch of the imagination i just don't think that there's going to be an earth shattering carl anthony towns trade that really upsets um the apple cart thanks to john thank you for listening to talknorth.com 